Welcome to the PMHMP Podcast, the definitive podcast for those passionate about mental health throughout every stage of life. Whether you're an aspiring professional, a seasoned expert, or someone simply keen to understand the intricate world of psychiatric care, you're in the right place. I'm Dr. John Rossi, a certified PMHMP nurse educator and lead content creator and instructor at Clarity Education Systems and www.pmhmptesting.com. All right, welcome to today's discussion. I'm excited to talk with you more about the new AANP PMHMP certification exam, not to be confused with the current ANCC certification exam. So we now have a couple of different options for those of you that are testing to be a certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. So today's podcast is not going to focus on real content um, as you know, it pertains to what you need to study for the examination. I've just had so many questions about um, individuals that are worried and were asking about what to expect with this new exam and which one they should use, you know, so on and so forth. So I wanted to take a moment in this podcast to talk about the AANP or the Academy, American Academy of Nurse Practitioners Certification Board, um, AANPCB, PMHMP examination. So we'll take a look at what it is, what are some of the main components, the domains that they're looking at, the age groups, what uh, percentage each one of these domains um, questions-wise will make up of the entire exam, how many questions are on this particular exam as compared to the ANCCs, and uh, hopefully address some of the main questions that you're having regarding these options. So is it a good thing that we have two different certification exams? I think it is. I think competition is always a good thing. It's going to keep the governing bodies on their toes. I'm hoping that this will help with um, the cost of the exams as they try to compete with one another. I think it will also help with the number of questions because there are different numbers of questions between the two exams right now. So hopefully that will play out to our advantage. And again, competition is always a good thing. The gist of it is, though, these exams are still going to evaluate the basic knowledge that you need to know in order to be a certified nurse practitioner. So if you're thinking that one will be easier than the other, I I don't think that you should consider that. It's not going to be an issue. They're both going to be difficult. They're both going to be identifying key concepts that you need to know based on the standards and the um, scope of practice that we have as set forth by the ANA. So That being said, there are some key differences that we need to discuss, and hopefully by the end of this discussion, you'll have a better idea of what you want to do moving forward. So let's go ahead and get started with this podcast overview of the new American Academy of Nurse Practitioners Certification Board, PMHMP Certification Exam. So the uh, AANP PMHMP exam applications are now available as of January 2024, so you can actually go in and start the application process at their website. PMHMP testing appointments will not be available until the spring of 2024, so after that you will be able to actually sit for the board exam. You can go ahead and apply now, but keep in mind that you're not going to be able to take it until at least the spring of 2024. So that may help you decide which one you want to do. If you just graduated in in December or January of 2024 and you're ready to take your exam and you've been studying for it, then I would recommend that you go ahead and stick with the ANCC because you can take it now. That being said, 
it will be available in the spring, this new certification exam. The PMHMP certification exam, just like the ANCC, is an entry-level competency-based examination that tests the clinical knowledge of you as a PMHMP for patients across their lifespan, or what I like to call from cradle to grave. So how many questions are on this new exam through the AANP? There are 150 questions on the exam. So you're going to be scored based on 135 questions. Those are the number of questions that will actually be considered in your overall grade. Now, there's 150, right? So we still have 15 questions that are considered pre-test questions. This is very different than the ANCC's exam. We'll talk about that at the end. So the number of questions is quite different. Whether or not the ANCC will change the number of questions that they have, still to be determined. I haven't heard anything official yet. So the pretest questions, or the 15 out of the 150 that are on the AANP's exam, are going to be um, used for statistical information for determining how well they're going to perform um, potentially on a future exam or in some aspect of the certification exam. So the pretest questions, they're not going to be able to be distinguished between the exam questions that are actually being graded and those that are just for pretest purposes. So you want to still approach all 150 questions as if you were answering all of them to be graded. But in the end, only 135 are actually scored. So you need to make a 70% or above in order to pass the exam. So if you do a quick equation, that's going to be 95 out of 135 questions in order to be above that 70% range. So just make sure that you're scoring at least 95 when you finish your test. Okay, again, 15 of those, not countable out of the 150. You're only looking at 135 scored questions, of which 95 have to be correct in order for you to actually pass the exam. So what is on the exam? What questions could be on the exam? How do they make these exam questions? Well, those are all based on the domains that are covered in the AANP certification. So those domain and tasks include four different sections, a little different than the ANCC that has five domains. This focuses on four domain topics, assess, diagnose, plan, and evaluate. Now, keep in mind, even though the domains seem different between the two examinations, they're still covering the same information, okay? It's just presented differently. So let's dive into the AANP's domains. First is going to be assess. So obviously within assessment, we're looking to establish and evaluate the therapeutic alliance that exists between the patient and the practitioner or PMHNP. So you need to be able to distinguish between questions that are effectively um, establishing and evaluating that alliance that exists between the two. Um, so communication skills, being able to uh, you know, effectively address the questions that are being asked by the patient and then creating that um, healthy environment where it feels open, where there's a clear distinction between the professional and the patient, so on and so forth. Now, you also need to be able to perform a developmentally appropriate comprehensive psychiatric evaluation, and this has to include both medical and psychiatric history, as well as the social detriments of health, okay, or social determinants of health. Additionally, the questions are going to ask about performing the mental status exam and all the components that are associated with it. We go over those in depth in the seminar. Um, as well as creating and completing a comprehensive risk assessment for the patient. Obviously, risk assessment and safety, paramount. 
going to have questions about that on either exam that you take. Now, you also need to be able to review patient records and gather all of the collateral information and pertinent information from relevant sources. That may include utilizing HIPAA compliance and um, disclosures in order for you to go to an outside source, such as their primary care provider, and obtain or acquire the records from the patient from other locations or another PMHMP or psychologist or psychiatrist. Again, doing it within the uh, clinical guidelines and legal guidelines. But you do have to be able to perform those reviews correctly and answer questions that relate to finding patient information. Next, you need to be able to assess by ordering and administering evidence-based instruments. This is going to include all different types of scales, such as the PHQ-9, the GAD-7, um, you know, screening tools like uh, the BEC or uh, the HAM. All of those are going to be game on when it comes to evidence-based instruments. And then you also need to be able to look at diagnostic and laboratory testments, uh, tests or studies. This is going to include things like MRIs um, and, you know, lithium or other uh, laboratory studies, A1C. I would go even as far as to say make sure that you know all of your um, appropriate levels for child, adolescent, adult, older adult, vital signs. All of that's going to be considered, and you'll have questions about those on the exam. And then finally, in the assess section, you need to be able to assess the readiness for change for the patient, as well as any barriers that they may have that pertain to learning or care, or, you know, maybe there's some family barriers that you need to consider. Maybe there are situations regarding, um, you know, their lifestyle choices that need to be considered. So all of this is, quote unquote, readiness, and you have to assess that patient's readiness for change. All right, so moving beyond the assessment, we get to the diagnosis. Remember, we always have to assess before we can diagnose and intervene. So for the diagnosis, we have to be able to interpret the results of those scales. So you can see a clear difference, right? If that question is asking about gathering information, then we're going to assess and we're going to use those scales. And then we're going to get to a point where they give you the results of those scales and you have to be able to interpret it. Is it mild, moderate, severe? Based on their GAD-7, are we going to initiate SSRI treatment or are we going to hold off and just do psychotherapy? And that's going to be determined based on the minor versus major scale interpretation. So you have to be able to interpret those screening tools and those scales as well as the diagnostic and laboratory tests. So it's not enough for you to just know that if I'm going to give a patient lithium that I have to order, you know, a pre-intervention lithium level and then probably do it again within 72 hours and then again after three weeks, you know, every six months, every year consistently. So you have to be able to know when to do the exams, when to do the studies, and then interpret the results of those studies in order to get to the point where you can use that information to help in your diagnosing. Okay, next you have to be able to synthesize and analyze subjective and objective information. Recall that this is based on information that the patient gives you subjectively as well as the objective information that you collect during the assessment. And so you have to take that information based on what you're presented in the questions on the exam in order to formulate your differential diagnoses. So we're going to formulate those differentials, and then we may also get to the point in an exam question where you're going to take those differentials based on what's presented in front of you and then come up with a final diagnosis in your answer selections. 
All right, so moving on to the next section in the diagnosis, we need to prioritize. Obviously, prioritization is key. This is a big one for both the AANP and the ANCC examinations. So we have to prioritize potential differential diagnoses. We want to look at reorganization. Uh, we need to look at re-recognizing. We need to look at urgency, emergency conditions. We need to consider any pertinent medical diagnoses that may be um, playing a part in their mental health status and how treating that underlying medical condition will therefore correct the complication. For example, if we have a, a delirium patient that is 80 years old and really what they're dealing with is a UTI, fixing the UTI will hopefully fix the complications that they're having with their mental status. So that's going to be the level at which you need to be able to recognize medical complications when you're diagnosing your patient because we have to consider them. Okay, lastly in the diagnosis section, they want you to be able to establish primary diagnosis and any relevant secondary or tertiary diagnosis. So we've, we've kind of already talked about that, but it's identifying the difference between those primary, secondary, tertiary diagnoses and also the differential diagnoses. Okay, now that we've assessed and we've diagnosed, obviously the next step in the treatment is gonna be the planning. You're gonna take that information and then implement some type of plan to care for the patient. So you have to establish a collaborative, patient-centered plan of care that is consistent with the best evidence that's being presented at that time. So they want to ask you questions about collaborative practice. They want to ask you questions about being able to perform patient-centered plans of care. All of it is game on when it comes to establishing um, not only you know this rapport with the patient, but then how do you implement that plan based on the information that you have. Very, very important questions for you as a practitioner, extremely important for you as you're going through your certification exam. Okay, next in the planning section, we've got provide risks, benefits, alternatives, and potential side effects of psychopharmacotherapies. Um, this is important for documentation, right? If, especially if we're doing something that is considered, um, you know, not FDA approved, but known to be effective. So these... Um, Additional therapies, you have to document clearly all those risks, benefits, alternatives, and potential side effects for everything that you're prescribing, but especially if you're doing off-label use. Okay, um, you got to know your psychopharmacotherapies. Um, you have to be able to select and prescribe those psycho, uh, psychopharmacotherapies based on the diagnosis that you've chosen. So you got to know the differences um, for, you know, antipsychotics, antidepressants, anoxalytics, mood stabilizers, atypical antidepressants, atypical antipsychotics. Uh, what about some medical um, medications such as propanolol? Um, that can be utilized to help with psychiatric mental health care. So you definitely need to know all of your classes. Again, just like the ANCC. So everything that you're currently studying will align with the new AANP certification exam. All right, so now that you know what you need to know as far as the medications go, you then need to be able to provide psychotherapeutic interventions. This includes both pharmacological and non-pharmacological, and that extends to psychoeducation. This is going to include health promotion and risk and, and illness prevention strategies. So all of that goes in the planning process. Okay, next in their plan, 
they want you to be able to encourage um, consultation and or collaboration with those interprofessional teams. So you're going to find questions on there where, you know, you have this diagnosis, you have a plan, but it's going to require that you reach out to the neuroscientist or you reach out to the, um, the psychologist or you talk to the primary care team. And so they're going to want to see that you know how to appropriately identify questions related to that collaboration effect. All right. Um, make referrals, right? Referrals are a big part of what we do. Now, a key difference here is, are you going to always refer or are you going to do everything that you can as the provider? And then once it goes outside your scope of practice, then you're going to refer out. That's going to be the key difference. But for this new exam, they still want to be able to see that you know how to make a referral um, and then send it out to other providers, specialists, um, different programs that may be offering treatment options for your patient based on their specific diagnosis. Next, you need to determine the most appropriate level of care and facilitate any transitions to ensure that the patient's continuity of care is intact. So an example of this would be um, if you're dealing with a patient that has um, you know, a drug abuse problem or alcohol problem and it goes beyond treatment capabilities in the outpatient setting and you recognize through ESPERT that you need to send them to a higher level of care. So that's how you need to, to get through these questions. You know, Is this appropriate or do, do they need to go to inpatient? So be on the lookout for those type of questions. All right. Uh, next up, uh, we need to manage the psychiatric emergencies and crises. So the best example of this would be how do you manage a patient that comes in with homicidal ideations or suicidal ideations and all of the um, you know, challenge that are, challenges that are associated with that, as well as how you're going to screen for it and then treat for it. So all of this is planning. Okay. Ensure the safety of client is paramount. This also includes the safety of the practitioners and the safety of others. So that could be um, family members, uh, spouses, whatever it may be. But safety is a key issue in both the ANCC and AANP certification exams. Finally, in the planning section, we need to look at documentation. Do you, as the PMHMP, newly certified, understand how to document client inter interactions and encounters with using appropriate coding and terminology. So I do think that this is a little different than the ANCC. They talk a little bit about coding and terminology and in that certification exam, but it seems like based on the information that the AANP is putting out, that we really need to focus a little closer on coding and terminology. So we here at Clarity Education will start incorporating more coding and, and terminology into our preparation materials. You do get some right now as it is, but within the next couple of months, our goal will be to continue to increase more um, study materials related to coding and terminology. All right, so we've gone through the assessment domain, diagnosis domain, We've looked at planning domain, and now we're going to go to the final one, the evaluation or the evaluate domain. So within evaluate, they want to know that you know how to evaluate the efficacy of that plan of care that you just enacted based on the outcomes of the patient. So you'll be looking at questions where a patient is presented, they're going to give you the diagnosis, they're going to talk about the plan and the interventions that have been implemented, and then they might ask you to identify the appropriate outcome to know that this has been helpful and that it's the, the efficacy is appropriate for that treatment plan. You have to be able to monitor for and manage side effects of adverse reactions as it pertains to you know, not only medications, but some non, 
pharmacological treatments that we have to uh, be on the lookout for as well. So monitoring and managing side effects. Next, you have to be able to monitor and adhere to that plan of care, considering any barriers that might pop up to their treatment plan. So some of the barriers that you're going to look out for in questions are going to include financial, cultural, and then obviously side effects that could hinder their uh, plan of care and prevent them from continuing forward and making improvements. All right. Next, they want to know that you can modify plans of care appropriately. So there will be questions on the exam that identify maybe a, a challenge that's being faced by the patient or the provider and what would be the most appropriate next step or what's the uh, priority action based on the fact that X, Y, and Z is happening. All right, next you have to engage in quality improvement initiatives. So CPI, very, very important. They're going to ask you questions about not only an individual quality improvement initiative, but also at systems level. So they're going to want you to look at scenarios involving um, you know, an entire hospital or a specific outpatient clinic. And then based on this complication, should they do a survey? Should they have an outside resource center come in to evaluate the program? So you need to be able to look and evaluate um, the type of quality improvement that they're questioning about and then choose the right answer appropriately. Okay, practice in conformance with ethical guidelines and, e and legal requirements. So this is going to look at um, are you doing what you're supposed to do with regard to any um, guideline, I, you know, I think we could say ethical here. We could also go on to say clinical practice guidelines. Are you utilizing those appropriately? And then is it specific to any legal state and federal requirements or regulations? Okay, and then finally in the evaluate section, they also want to know that you can practice in conformance with the scope and standards of practice. So this is going to be looking at state legislation. It's going to be looking at the ANA scope and standard of practice. Do you know them? Do you know how to apply them? And would you, as a nurse practitioner, be able to do and perform within that scope of practice equal to any other nurse practitioner? That's how they're going to compare you. Um, and then whether or not you're within that standard or scope. All right, so that's basically the, the breakdown of where they're getting their questions for the AANP questions. Um, assessment, diagnosis, planning, and evaluate. So they go a little further. I think they dive a little bit deeper into developmental stages and how many questions um, will be asked. But before we go there, let's talk about, you know, we just, we just learned each one of these domains, how many questions are going to be within each one of those domains. And then we're going to look at how many questions are going to be associated with age groups and developmental stages within those domains. All right, so as far as the assess questions are concerned, there are 45 questions or 33% of the total exam being asked about assessment. For diagnose, we have 28 questions or about 21% of the exam. For plan, we've got 35 questions or 26% of the total exam. And then finally for evaluate, we've got 27 questions or about 20% of the exam. So all of that added together, you've got 135 questions. Remember, 135 are graded out of the 150 for the AANP. We're not talking about the ANCC right now. This is the AANP. All right, so of those, your big hitters, the major areas are going to be the assessment area, the assess questions at 45, and then also the planning at 35. 
So those are, those are big areas. You got to make sure that you're studying those hard. Diagnose and evaluate, super important as well. But the majority of the questions come from assess and plan. Okay, now let's talk about the patient age category. So we have infant and child. Of the infant and child range, eight questions are asked, or about 6% on the exam. Pre-adolescent, that's going to cover about 11 questions, or 8% of the exam. Adolescent years is going to be 22 questions, or 16% of the exam. And then we get into the heavy hitter. This is the heavy hitter section of the adult and older adult. So adult questions make up six, uh, 67 questions of the exam, which is about 50%. And then for older adults, you're getting 27 questions or about 20% of the exam. So if you take a look at it closely for the adult and older adult, that's 70% of the questions on the exam. You could miss every other question about um, child and pre-adolescent and adolescent and get all of your adult and older adult correct and you would pass the exam. So that's a good breakdown of developmentally what you're looking for. I don't you know, I wouldn't particularly pay huge attention to the age itself, but developmentally. Is this child developing appropriately? They're going to ask questions about that. Is this adult develop appropriately? They're going to ask questions about that. All right, so age parameters, again, they're not defined by any one set of population. Um, so this could be Caucasian, African American. It could include LGBTQ+, um, Native American, all kinds of different populations they're all going to be considered when it comes to the age parameters. Okay, so that is, in a nutshell, all of the um, material that they are using to generate these questions. Now we need to look at how they apply the knowledge. So what areas do you need to focus on as a PMHMP via application? And these areas are where they're going to be specifically identified in each question on the exam. Okay, first up for the applied knowledge areas on the AANP certification exam, they want you to focus on scientific foundations. This includes anatomy and physiology, neuroanatomy and neurophysiology, pathophysiology, epidemiology of psychiatric disorders, psychiatric and medical comorbidities, and then growth and development of the patient. So each one of those scientific foundations are going to be embedded within the questions. I think rarely will you find, will you, find you know, very cut and dry questions that ask just specifically about a cell or whatnot. It's probably going to be in context to other more um, complex, comprehensive questions, but you do have to have a solid foundation in the scientific foundation area. Moving on to pharmacology. They're going to look at pharmacological therapies. Uh, this includes pharmacodynamics and pharmacokinetics. Remember, pharmacodynamics, spelled with a D, is going to focus on what the drug does to the body as opposed to pharmacokinetics, which is what the body does to the drug or metabolization. Then we have psychopharmacology in general. We kind of talked about this earlier. They're going to be looking at identifying uh, different treatments for um, antipsychotic use, antidepressants, anoxalytics, um, atypical drugs. Um, mood stabilizers, uh, let's see, seizures. Um, so just in general, understanding each of these classes, their side effects, their indications, how they incorporate into the plan of treatment, psychopharmacology. Okay, then we have interactions between classes of medications. This is just simply drug-to-drug -drug interactions. Within that, we're looking at inducers and inhibitors as well. Medication monitoring, how are you going to monitor the patient? Is it going to be done through laboratory studies? Is it done through uh, different scales and questionnaires each time that the patient comes in? So medication monitoring. 
polypharmacy. How many drugs are they taking? You may get questions that talk about a patient that's on five specific medications, and now this screener is reported as minor or low. Which medication can you take out of the mix? You know, they, they want to see that you identify polypharmacy, the complications with it, potential drug-to-drug interactions, and then how you can uh, create an appropriate care plan based on the information that is presented in the question. So that's for polypharmacy. Then we have uh, pharmacogenetic testing. I, I do think this is a little different than the ANCC. I haven't really seen much focus on genetic testing in that certification exam. So I think we may have to refocus a little bit with pharmacogenetic testing for the AANP exam. So that's kind of a new area. And then we have complementary and alternative medicines, your CAMs. Again, that's going to be very similar to everything that you've already been studying for the ANCC. We do have non-pharmacological therapies, such as electroconvulsive therapy, or ECT. We have repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation, RTMS, and complementary and then other alternative therapies. So things like yoga, uh, tai chi, um, you know, other alternatives that are out there to include, um, uh, you know, let, let's, let's talk about um, medication remedies that might not be something that are prescribed uh, but uh, you'll find over-the-counter or that somebody will read about online or their grandmother told them they should take this, um, you know, this herb to make them feel better. So all of that's going to be considered in this section. All right. Then we have psychotherapies. So psychotherapy is going to include the, uh, the psychotherapeutic foundation. So you need to know about who created these theories, these therapies that go along in uh, psychodynamic treatments individual psychotherapy theories and their methods that are associated with them. So we, we need to know, you know, about Beck. We need to know about Marsha Linehan. Then we've got group therapy, um, psychotherapy theories and methods. Uh, you know, who, let's, you know, who invented, you know, these group dynamics and, uh, you know, what's talked about at the different level of group treatment. Are they in the storming phase? Are they in the norming phase? So all of these are considered in the group psychotherapy section. Then we have family psychotherapy theories and methods. This is going to be family systems therapy, things like structural um, family therapy. Um, Are we talking about paradoxical thinking? Are we talking about magical thinking? So again, everything that we've already been looking at for the ANCC, we're going to be looking at for the AANP within the psychotherapy realm. All right, Uh, another big one. This is new for the AANCC, but they're saying in the AANP you need to know as well, and that's going to be theories of change. So trans, you know, trans theoretical models, some, just some theories that apply to change in general for the patient. All right, then we get on to assessment and diagnosis for the applied knowledge. Um, this is going to include your clinical interviewing, um, motivational interviewing, establishing that uh, patient-client relationship, a healthy patient-client relationship. Are we, you know, having transference or counter-transference? All of that's associated with clinical interviewing. Components of a psychiatric evaluation, that's going to be things like the um, mental status exam, using the clock drawing test, uh, what components do we have that need to be utilized when deciding how to evaluate this patient and then therefore come to a clinical diagnosis. All right, Uh, then moving on, we're going to be looking also at targeted physical assessments. So really, this is relying back on the information that you studied in your undergraduate years as a nurse. Um, So we don't really focus too much on the physical assessment in the um, certification review course because that's pretty foundational for a nurse in general 
even if you weren't going to be a nurse practitioner. But you do need to have those targeted physical assessment techniques and skills. For example, evaluating for the Babinski's, things like that. Okay, mental health screening and assessment instruments. We talked about that earlier using the screeners and the scales, PHQ-9, GAD-7, HAM-D, HAM-A, um, the BEC. Diagnostic and laboratory tests, um, MRIs, uh, you know, uh, cardiovascular um, tests and assessments, uh, EKGs, ECG, and then any laboratory study that you put in as far as lithium, magnesium, sodium, um, TSH, your A1C, all of that's going to be considered in the assessment and diagnosis questions. And then finally, they do um, point out that you need to have a strong understanding of the diagnostic decision-making um, utilization form as far as the DSM-5 is concerned and the most up-to-date version of the DSM. All right, then we get into care practices. So care practice focuses on developmental stages and age-appropriate care practices. We look at mental health promotion and preventative health, so primary, secondary, and tertiary prevention levels, risk assessment and safety planning, harm reduction. These are big areas, right? These are often found on the ANCC's exam. You're going to see a lot of questions pertaining to risk assessment and safety planning on the AANP as well. Crisis management and de-escalation techniques. We haven't really talked a lot about that in the ANCC stuff, um, so this is interesting. I'm glad they bring it into it. Um, so we'll have to refocus some of our uh, attention onto de-escalation techniques, how you as the nurse practitioner utilizing your nurses and your technicians can help de-escalate complications that are arising with your patient so that way it gets to the point where open communication is available and you can actually start to address many of their primary concerns once the situation has been de-escalated. And a lot of that is going to be communication skills and uh, recognizing appropriate cues from both you and the patient. This leads into least restrictive interventions, um, you know, providing care that's in a community level um, for, you know, individuals with schizophrenia, or do we jump straight to restraint use? Is there something else we can do before we tie this patient down to their bed frame? Those are all going to be least restrictive interventions. Vulnerable populations are covered in the AANP exam as well. We do a lot of that in our current seminars with uh, an emphasis on the AN, uh, the AN, excuse me, the ANCC. Start getting tongue-tied when you, when you consider the AANP and ANCC. So keep those straight. I'll do my best to do that as well. So um, vulnerable populations, keep studying what you're already studying. That's going to be one that is evolving as we evolve. Uh, there's always something new coming out with vulnerable populations. And it is a very hot topic on the ANCC. I think it will be on the AANP as well. Trauma-informed care. Obviously, trauma is a, a super important area. They cover it in the AANP. Cultural awareness and humility, which I think is really cool. I think it's great that they are including the word humility in their um, exam outline here. So cultural awareness, humility, big. And then finally, uh, social determinants of health. And we cover those in depth in the seminars already. Nothing new here. 
Finally, we get to the professional role. This is going to be your seminar four of the PMHMP uh, on-demand platform. Evidence-based practice, you got to know um, what evidence-based practice is, how to utilize it in your clinical practice. You need to know the differences between a meta-analysis. You need to know um, between that and, um, you know, other, uh, other forms of, of research that are presented um, to include systematic analysis, stuff like that. Um, is it just a randomized control trial, or did, did they do three randomized control trials and then presented it? So you've got to know the different levels of evidence-based practice. Um, and that um, also needs to focus on not only the level of, of you know, statistical data that's being presented and also how they did the, uh, the evaluation or the research, but um, also you need to identify the different tests that are used. It, it was an ANOVA, was there a, a, a correlation that was identified? Um, you know, some mathematical equations may be brought into the exam environment as well. So statistics, evidence-based, all very important. Again, already covered in the uh, certification review. It's ready for you to start studying for the AANP as well. Ethical issues and legal requirements. Um, a lot of this is going to be based on state, federal, and um, ANA scope of practices for any legal and ethical issues that uh, may come about in those questions. Scope and standards as based on the ANA, interprofessional practice, uh, professional boundaries. Um, so, you know, knowing the difference between having a patient that's a friend and having a patient that's actually uh, receiving care from you on a professional basis and making sure that you don't blur those lines. Therapeutic communication. Uh, we also look at implicit biases. Bias is a very big topic, um, so you need to know the different types of biases that are out there and then how to navigate through them. Health systems and levels of care. All right, we've, we've talked about a little, a little bit about this earlier, um, but uh, definitely need to know those different levels of care that are available, um, you know, be it the outpatient, the intensive outpatient, the um, inpatient setting, specialty level care settings, and then what health systems help establish that. Are we talking about a micro health system, a macro health system, or something in between? Quality improvement, quality improvement projects, how they're designed. Um, you know, are, are we going to first assess the problem and the complication and then move on to our literature review? Or are we going to, you know, quickly jump ahead and actually implement something before we even have identified what the problem actually is? So understanding the levels that are associated with quality improvement and the process of quality of improvement itself. Electronic medical records and informatics. Um, ANCC, I haven't, you know, we really didn't focus a whole lot on informatics uh, with that exam. With this one, they're specifically identifying informatics, and that's kind of the new evolving um, realm for nurse practitioners and nursing in general. So I think that we will probably see more review materials in our program focusing on informatics and electronic medical records. Billing and coding schemes, already said this. We're going to beef that up a little bit too, so definitely start focusing on, you know, which codes are most appropriate within the uh, psychiatric mental health world. Um, how are you going to bill? How are you going to code? And then finally, telehealth, which we are already focusing on in the study materials. So as you can see, 99% of everything that the AANP is putting out there for their exam is already covered in what we are um, studying right now in the certification review. 
maybe a few things that we're going to add here and there, but for the most part, it's just about how it's organized. It's about how many questions there are and um, potentially the style of questions, the way that they're written, because they're obviously going to be different exam question writers than those that are writing the ANCC, but maybe not. Maybe there will be some crossover. We'll, we'll see as, the, as this plays out. All right, the last thing I want to talk about is something that they clearly identify in their roadmap for preparing for the exam, um, and that is the disorders. So I do love that they have this categorization of the DSM-5 diagnoses um, and the disorders and which ones are most frequently included on their exam, somewhat included, or least frequently included. And they've actually separated it out in those three categories. So first off, we have the most frequently included disorders on the AANP exam. So they tell us because nobody's really even taken it yet. But um, we have depressive disorders. These are, again, the frequently, um, most frequently included. Depressive disorders, anxiety disorders, bipolar and related disorders, trauma and stress-related disorders for like PTSD, things of that nature, substance-related and addictive disorders. You bet you're going to have a lot of questions on that sleep-wake disorders, and personality disorders. So these are the majority of the disorders that you see in clinical practice. If you're practicing now or if you've you know, um, been in clinicals recently or your residency work for your program, these are the majority of the problems that you're seeing in clinical practice. So it makes sense that the AANP is going to focus on these disorders in the actual exam. Next, we have the somewhat included category, which I found this interesting because schizophrenia is considered a somewhat included, whereas on the ANCC exam, you are constantly seeing multiple questions about schizophrenia and other psychotic disorders. So for the AANP, they included under the, quote, somewhat included, close quote, section. So schizophrenia spectrum, other psychotic disorders, neurodevelopmental disorders, Obsessive, compulsive, and related disorders. Then we've got uh, disruptive and impulse control and conduct disorders. Neurocognitive disorders. Breathing-related sleep disorders. Gender dysphoria. Sexual dysfunctions. Somatic symptom and related disorders. And then finally, in that somewhat included section, we have feeding and eating disorders. So your anorexia, bulimia, uh, binge purging, stuff like that. All right, and then finally, we have the least frequently included. Now, notice this does not say not included. So you still need to focus on these disorders as well. You're just probably not going to see it as often as you would those depressive and, and anxiety-ridden disorders. So some of the least frequently included include uh, parasomnias, disassociative disorders, elimination disorders, um, paraphilic disorders, and then they also include the category other mental disorders. So pretty vague, right, in that least frequently included, which makes sense why they are least frequently included, because it's going to be hard to ask specific questions within that um, area of, um, of focus. So still need to know it. Don't neglect those areas, but maybe not seen on the exam as much as those most and somewhat included areas. All right, so just like on the ANCC version, the AANPCB certification, um, it is, uh, this exam is also going to be administered via a computer-based testing format at the Prometric Testing Center. So exact same testing centers are used for this exam as the ANCC version. So no changes there. Everything that you're learning so far is the same for Prometric, and I would also include the same test-taking strategies. 
So as you can see, there are a few differences noted between the ANCC and the AANP BC uh, or CB, excuse me, certification exam. But time's really going to tell what the true differences are between these exams. Um, we'll wait and see. The ANCC may make format changes or adjustments based on the AANP's new exam. You know, right now, the ANCC has 175 questions, of which you have three, hundred, uh, three, hour, three and a half hours to complete. Of those 175, 150 are scored, and 25 are not. They're those pre-test questions. So that's, that's 25 more questions that you have to answer between the two exams. So maybe that'll change. Maybe it won't. Um, we'll just have to see how this plays out between the two governing bodies. But that's probably the biggest difference that I see in general is the fact that the AANP has uh, fewer questions. You still got to get a 70 to pass it. It still includes pretest questions that aren't graded, but there are fewer questions at least. So, you know, the big question here is which exam should you take? Should I do the ANCC? Should I do the AANP? Well, if you're ready to test now, you know, I think the obvious choice and obvious answer is, you know, go ahead and do the ANCC. Get it, get it over with. Be done with it. Um, if, you know, by the time you listen to this podcast, it's already well into the spring and summer months and both exams are available, then you just, you know, really consider what you want. Um, you can go on to the ANCC and AANP website. I haven't seen any specific practice questions for the AANP yet, but it's not to say they won't put them on there. So you can kind of take a look at formatting, how those questions are presented. Maybe you like their writing style better. Writing styles are going to change all the time. The, the governing bodies are constantly switching out their, um, their writers and who they hire on to make these test questions. So you can maybe utilize that to figure out which one maybe fits, uh, you know, maybe more aligns with the questions that you like answering. Really, if you were to ask me right now, I would probably take the ANCC because it's been established. It's been around a long time with PMHMP. Now, that's not to say that the AANP hasn't been around a long time. They are a great governing body. They've got great certification exams that they have been utilizing for years. This is just the first time that they've really rolled out the PMHMP section um, for now. Uh, so one's been around a little longer for this particular exam. One hasn't. So that might come into play when you're trying to decide which one to do. Maybe one is more expensive than the other. That could change off and on as they start to compete with each other and then a uh, number of questions that are available. And again, I kind of feel like that will start changing as well, and they'll kind of uh, more align with each other because who wants to take more questions, right? And so they're probably going to consider that. This is all speculation, however, um, and I think it'll... I, I, I think this podcast will date well because it will continue to be speculation because now that we have competition with different exams, it's probably going to change quite a bit, and they'll, they'll adjust as... Um, the other adjusts. And so we'll see. We'll see how this rolls out. Ultimately, I think this is a really good thing. I think having more than one option is always good. I think it's going to keep them both on their toes. I think that we're going to get better questions out of it. And it gives you options. Um, I, I didn't like that the only thing that was available was the ANCC. So now I've got choices. And choices are always a good thing. Um, so just just some stuff that you want to consider as you move forward in preparing uh, to take your certification exam if you haven't already decided or if you're going to be testing after the spring of 2024, you have a couple of options available to you. 
So there you have it. That is the AANP, PMHMP certification exam information as we know it today. Could it change? Absolutely. We'll try to keep you um, up to date on any changes as they roll out. Well, we won't try. We will. That's what we're here for. We want you to have all of the information that you need. And we'll continue to update that, that information either in the website or in the actual material or videos as we post updates uh, throughout the year. But uh, rest assured, you're getting the information that you need. The stuff that we are presenting is it's, it's what you need to know, right? Antipsychotics aren't going to change based on the certification exam that you take. You still need to know what they are. You still need to know that they're, you know, antagonists, that we're dealing with dopamine here. We're going to give them for schizophrenia and, and other psychotic disorders or to augment um, de depression, uh, treatment-resistant depression. Um, so these are all foundational information topics that are going to be utilized on both exams. So in the end, you still need to study the material it's all going to be pretty much the same. There may be some differences here and there as far as formatting and writing and number of questions and grading. But ultimately, you got to get that 70% in order to certify yourself and move on with your life beyond this exam or these exams. So I appreciate your time. I, I know this was a little different than some of the other informational podcasts that we've done in the past, but we've just had too many questions about this, and I thought it was important to start the year off right with uh, helping you understand some of the main talking points and exam points that are being presented by the AANP for this exam and how they differentiate a little bit from the ANCC. But I think, I think you're going to find they're pretty similar. You just need to decide which one is best for you. And we're here to help with that as well. Um, excited to be able to move forward in 2024 as we prepare to pass these exams and move on and get out into clinical practice and do great things. Again, this is www.pmhmptesting.com, also known as Clarity Education Systems. I'm Dr. John Rossi. This has been a podcast about the new AANP certification exam that's now available and you can start testing in the spring of 2024. We also have the ANCC, but now you got some options as far as what you want to do when taking your certification exam as a PMHMP. Have a wonderful day, night, wherever you are, whatever time you're hearing this. Hopefully it finds you well and it's been informative for you. And I look forward to meeting with you again in the next podcast. And as always, in the on-demand system and the online classes, as well as our live PMHMP certification review courses. Thank you for listening. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.